0: It was bad on Saturday, but how bad was it? This this is Locked On Baylor. You are Locked On Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for joining Locked On Baylor. It's me, your host, Kim Stewart. Uh, Thank you for making it your first listen today and every day that is Locked On Baylor brought to you today by LinkedIn Talent Solutions, where the Bears are coming off, quite frankly, an embarrassing performance. I know Dave won't say it. I'll say it. I think a lot of the fans will. doesn't mean we're going to abandon Baylor, but it was an embarrassing performance on Saturday against the Texas Longhorns, in which it was the final game of a 120-year rivalry, and Texas waltzes into Waco and the Bears barely put up a fight, thirty-eight to six. Your final, and I'm trying to, you know, again, kind of bring the positives out of it. More kind of keep a level-headed, headed approach to this. And I, I think I still am being level-headed and talking about how just unacceptable that was, how unacceptable that that performance was on Saturday, just completely lifeless, which we'll get into that, the energy part and the red flags about it later on. But just looking at Saturday in a vacuum, I get it. The number three team in the country coming in. And Texas is hot as any team in the nation right now. But, but none of that was acceptable. And I'm just so surprised with the buildup you got, the the juice you got in the stadium that nobody came to play and it starts offensively i talked about it in the post game show last night your or saturday night excuse me your best your leading rusher on the game is rj martinez your backup quarterback who comes in basically in the fourth quarter and he rushes for let's see here 22 yards on three attempts dawson pentergrass who doesn't get a touch till the second half is your second leading rusher at six attempts for 21 yards Baylor can't get anywhere if they can't run the ball. Most teams can't. Baylor's absolutely in those most teams. They cannot get anywhere if they can't run the football. Richard Reese, three carries for eight yards. I thought the rotation of the two running backs has been clunky at times, and at no point has it been successful. So clearly, they're, they're trying things out. Jeff Grimes is trying things out just to see how to kind of get this this run game into a rhythm and it's not working Dom Richardson thankful to have him on the field um, pregame, you know, it looked like that was going to give the bears a big boost, but clearly not at hundred percent, six attempts, four yards on the night. And so Robertson technically gets 10 rushing attempts. A lot of those being sacks and negative 14 yards on the night. And Texas honestly didn't even really bring it out of first gear. They didn't bring it on first gear last night. Quinn Ewers, good night, 18-23, 293, and a touchdown. Let's just get it in the garage. You know, I mean, other than that, uh, Jonathan Brooks, 18 attempts, 106 yards, two touchdowns. That's a good night, six yards a carry. They averaged 5.1 a carry. Baylor averaged under two a carry. Oof, oof, over four yards per play average by the Texas Longhorns overall on Saturday night. So they they really don't bring out a first gear. I mean, Xavier Worthy is the guy you're you're keying on defensively. like it's three catches, 31 yards, a touchdown in there, but pretty pedestrian night, only nine yards after the catch, which is where he can really kill you. Sanders had a big night. Five for 110. Yeah, that's pretty good with a 49 yarder in there and 62 after the catch. But if you're Baylor, you, you just gotta look at that and think. We gave up 38 points at home. We were never in the game, and this team didn't even take it out of the first gear. When I I was in high school, my little town started a lacrosse team, high school lacrosse team, and we had some teams in our league that were nationally ranked. They were some of the best public high school lacrosse programs in the country. And I remember those first few years that we played as a program, they would play their JVs against us, and they'd still win – 18 to 4, 16 to 5, something like that. And that's exactly what I was feeling on Saturday night. Except we went in, I mean, we went in knowing we didn't have a chance as high school kids, and I'm wondering if these college football players at Baylor were thinking the same thing. Because it didn't look like they had any chance at all. And one of the big problems continues to be quarterback play. Robertson, at least, completion-wise, is is better in this game. Uh, 20 of 35, uh, better percentage Uh, For 203 yards, rating at about 100, you got to pull them performance reasons, I'm guessing. Maybe that ankle flares up, but when the game's out of reach, bring in RJ Martinez, who doesn't fare all that much better, 9 of 18 for 102, only completing 50% of his passes, and UT really coasting at that point. Quarterback play, it's a broken record. It's not there, and you can't get the receivers involved. Finally, Monterey Baldwin on a, on a deep threat. I know he's someone who's been frustrated. Um, it's been tough sledding getting him the ball. I was glad to see him have that big play. It didn't amount to much. Armani Winfield, finally, a couple catches. Three of them for 42, kind of in garbage time, but you get him on the field a little bit. And the, the damning stat, which I know a lot of people at face value are not going to take it this way, but Baylor had 13 different pass catchers in this game. 13, normally, you know, having diversity of pass catchers, you say, that's good. Quarterback spreading the ball around. He's keeping the defense on their toes. When you score six points and it's game four of the season and you have 13 pass catchers, that's not a compliment. That is not a compliment. That's not a good sign. That's a bad sign. That means we don't know who our 11 on the field need to be. We don't, need, we don't know who our three or four receivers on the field need to be. Or maybe it's we don't know if the quarterback can get it to these guys consistently. Who is the option? Who is the guy the defense keys on? I have the same problem with the Patriots, so I'm going to say it with Baylor too. There are definitely defensive coaches wondering, who do we put our number one corner on? Hmm. Hmm. Who should we put our shutdown guy on? cuz i think they'll shut down all of them cuz there's no one that you game plan for defensively and that's just not that's not just the receivers you don't game plan special for the quarterback you don't game plan special for the line you don't game plan special for the tight ends or the running backs either this is just such a dead 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 d e d dead offense they can't. I said it before the game. I had a friend text me and said, um, should I take Baylor plus 17 tonight? And first, first glance, my time being a Baylor fan, plus 17 in a home game at the conference, I said, yeah, yeah. But then I said, you know what? Actually, my pal, I don't know how Baylor's gonna get it in the end zone. I think I tweeted it after the first drive. I just don't see how this team is gonna get it in the end zone. And i am got to tell you, I don't get paid enough for being right all the damn time. It sucks being right all the time because they don't get it in the end zone the whole game. I say that as kind of a facetious thing. They can't get it in the end zone right now against an FBS team, against a Power 5 team. And I don't know. How that gets better, UCF is not as good as Texas. I think they're a good football team. I think they're comfortably a bowl team. They're playing at home. First home game in the conference, if I'm not mistaken. So they'll be jazzed up. That's going to be a great environment. And Baylor is not not in a good position to be there. I'll tell you. But they're going to bring the equipment truck down. First road game of the year. Just what these guys needed at 1-3 and was a road game. Get away from us fans. And they're going to take the truck down and all of those people that are bringing that stuff with them, I'm telling you how, how Baylor found them. They found him by LinkedIn Talent Solutions, which is today's sponsor of the Locked On Baylor episode. Look, LinkedIn Talent Solutions, they make it easy for you. Getting a job, hiring for a job, none, neither of those are easy. Okay. So LinkedIn jobs, they're going to help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to and they're going to do it faster. So, you're going to post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. Okay. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. They're going to make it easy for you. They're going to sift it out. They're going to find you the qualified candidates. They did it for me when they offered this job to me. And Baylor's doing it for all those people, bringing the equipment down to Orlando, Florida next week. So, LinkedIn jobs, once again, that's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Looking at the the you know the big view here of, I don't know how to quantify it, but I know it when I see it. And I'm talking about Baylor's energy. And I've said it before this season, I know I'm not the only one who is saying it Saturday. Uh, this team just looked lifeless. Looked absolutely like a carcass on the side of the road taking on Texas on Saturday. Uh, I don't know what it is, but you know it when you see it and there was just no physicality, there was no getting hyped, there was no celebrations, there was no big hits, none of that on Saturday. And part of it is you got taken out of the game right away, but part of that is you didn't bring the energy in the first place. And it was damning on the drive home when the Baylor radio networks player of the game was the long snapper, Garrison Grimes. They were recovered two uh muff punts. And when Texas starts playing some college football teams at some point this season, um, they will need to correct that, but they get away with it um, against Baylor because Baylor just only scores uh, three points out of that, I believe, or maybe it was both field goals, but at least, just a three point. I don't think they scored on the other one. I think they missed it on fourth down. And again, I'm wondering it's a broken record. Why can't these guys get up for the games? And I said it before, and it's weird to say this, but I don't even actually blame them as 18, 19, 20 year old kids. I mean, they're, they're, they do deserve some blame in that. They do. But in, in the world of college football, when you're talking about guys not ready to play, we say this in the NFL too, that's, that's on the coaching staff. That's on the coaching staff. They need to make sure their team is ready to take the field. And again, again, Davis said this three or four times over the last 13 months about his team, 54 weeks. It was September 10th uh, when he first said it against BYU last year, that his team just was not ready to play. Not ready to play. And I'm sure they love Dave. We love Dave as a person. Um, And he's the one who, you know, took a chance on these guys. He recruited these guys. He brought them in and and gave them this chance. But a separate thing is I don't know if they're playing for him right now. Because, look, Dave is is a football genius. 1,000%. One thousand percent. No one can deny that. But even when things were going good, you knew he was not the master motivator, the master motivator to get these guys ready. And that's that's what you need in college football. You know, you, you look at these guys who are having success, in, in my lifetime, and right now, and you know, Urban Meyer's a dink. I mean, you think anyone likes that guy and talks to him outside of it? Clearly not. But he can get you up for a football game. And he's pretty good at the X's and O's stuff, too. Pete Carroll. Everyone was wondering whether he was going to succeed in the NFL because he was such a rah-rah guy. He's done all right for himself. Ed Orgeron, out of a job two years after having one of the best teams in college football history. Yeah, because he gets those guys ready to play. And he had a tactical defensive coordinator, too, by the way. But he was not the X's and guy. He was the living room guy. He was the... The pregame speech guy, That Baylor does not have that. And they probably have some darn fine football coaches on that staff, but not ones who are ready to get you to run through a brick wall. And it seems old school, but clearly you need that in the college game. At some point you need that. Even Sark, man, offensive genius, but he'll get those guys fired up. He will yell at, just scream at stadium workers who hold him back from running out of the tunnel. Maybe we need that. I had a great tweet about it in January about how much of a dick he was for doing that. Maybe you need that. Texas has it. Baylor does not. I, I, I don't look... Like, I don't know how you fix that in the season. If you don't have motivators, you don't have motivators. That's just, you don't have them. But, but Dave needs to be putting out the game plan for this team, and someone needs to be, in a good way, yelling their head off in the locker room pregame and get them ready to take the field. Dave wasn't even ready to take the field. Great video by Darby Brown from KWTX, posting him stuck in, in the Baylor line, trying to get out onto the field. It's, It's not really his fault, but it's kind of poetic in that video that they weren't overall just ready to take the field. And I know this name will be brought up, so I'm begrudgingly saying it. And he was gone middle of the 21 season, which ends pretty well, ends on a high. I think Joey McGuire was that guy. I don't think that's a hot take, but I think he was that guy. And the back half that season goes really well. Win the Big 12, win the Sugar Bowl, everything after that has been a hot mess. And I just wonder if he was the guy getting them fired up every game. Obviously, the players after the 2019 season when Matt Rule left, they wanted Joey. And I'm not saying Baylor made the wrong call because I don't believe that. Look at look at what Tex got the same record this year. (laughs) Tech's got the same record. And a lot of problems too. But clearly he was the guy um, getting them ready to play. And the football coaches, that staff, put out great game plans. But it was Joey getting them ready to play. And Dave talks about that a little bit in the press conference, which we'll get to in a minute. But there's just a lot of problems In terms of motivational factors on this team. We saw it in 2020. It was a it was a wash because it was a COVID season. Dave, Dave and the coaching staff did not get a lot of time at all with these guys. And then the next year it turned right around. So there was no harm, no foul, no worries. Now it's coming up again. Are these guys wanting to play for their coach? It remains to be seen. Remains to be seen. But I'll tell you, after that, after that game on Saturday night, what I really, really needed was some of those near beers from Athletic Brewing. Uh, the Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing. Baylor Radio Network went Garrison Grimes. <laughs> I might have to do the same. I'll go with RJ Martinez because he does come in and, and bring some life against the prevent defense. And my pal Drake Toll said last week on the show he would have expected RJ Martinez to start this week against Texas. That's something you need to bring under serious consideration for this week against UCF. If, if Charlie Brewer, I almost said Charlie Brewer, if Blake Shapin isn't ready to go. And that is going to be the saving grace of this team. That could be what gets this team to three or four wins. Anyway, athletic brewing. That is your game changer in terms of the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. I'm not kidding. I've used them too. They actually taste good. Okay. It has completely changed that game. Um, they are, they're great tasting, they're award-winning, they beat out full strength beers in terms of that all overall experience and that taste in global competitions. They brew over 50 styles of craft, non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, goldens, sours, all that you can think of. And they're constantly releasing limited edition experimental styles to add to their variety. I know I have been keeping an eye out on that to see the new ones that they are posting. So look, y'all got to try it. That is the game changer. Okay. You can find athletic brewing companies, non alcoholic brews at a store near you, or you can buy online at athleticbrewing.com. So, first time customers are going to use the code locked on. You're going to use it because it's going to get you 15% off that first online order. Okay. That's code locked on, L O C K E D O N, at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Athletic brewing, near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Final thing, we're going to hear from Dave Aranda in this, in this post-game press conference. I know there was something that stood out to y'all that I didn't bring up because I want to hear it from him. Um, anyway, that's all, the, that's all that I need. Dave, take it away.
1: Disappointed in the, um, the performance and the execution. You know, I, th- I thought that um, the line of scrimmage, uh, we couldn't get anything going uh, from the very beginning uh, offensively, and then I felt you know, skill-wise – there was uh, opportunities for for plays, and we didn't execute. There was drop balls, there was balls in the dirt. Um, I thought that there was some explosive, explosives that we were able to connect on, but I thought that the, the access throws, the slants, the leverage throws, the things that were in the in-between, and they were there for us, uh, we didn't execute on. And so it's, it's disappointing and it's frustrating. Guys are hurting, um, and uh, you know, we all are. And so um, it's, it's something that um, needs to get fixed and our intention is to fix it. Take any questions you guys got. Dave, you mentioned you know, the mistakes that you guys had. I mean, obviously Texas is a good team. You don't wanna help them out anymore.
0: Uh, how do you keep it from sort of spiraling when it's happening you know, so that it doesn't like turn into momentum for the other team?
1: Appreciate that. Yeah, I think the the simplification. I think the, you know, if it's something to where there's a drop ball and it's you're wide open and you drop it, or it's a miss ID. I think uh, reviewing it and then is there a way we can simplify it? Was there a shift or a motion that doesn't need to be? Is there uh, different personnel that can that we feel can attack that moment better? Try to simplify the problem and kind of get to the core of it. I think that's something that uh, we didn't do well enough tonight. Dave, you said you think that this roster you have is Big 12 championship level. Do you still believe that after tonight? I do. I I love this team, and so I'm a supporter of the team. You know, I I believe in it. I believe in the coaches, and, um, you know, we have to be able to play better. This is not, you know, in talking to the team, It was, hey, this either breaks us or this makes us, this moment right here. And so um, we can kind of say, hey, that performance is who we are, and all these things that are being said about us is who we are. Or we can say, you know, that's just what we did. We're working to get better, and we're going to push on through. And I think from coaching all the way down to players, um, you know, that's a choice that we have to make, and I think it's a critical moment. And I think this next game, being on the road versus a good opponent and a good coach is going to be a challenge for us, and we have to step up to that challenge. Coach in the back, uh, when it came to the red zone offense, it seemed like there was just an issue getting the ball moving in any way, shape, or form. What
0: changed when you guys got into that red zone that allowed you guys to have little to no success there?
1: Appreciate that. I don't. I don't believe anything changed. I think some of the the plays that got us there were explosive plays, and you know I think um, since the beginning of the year we've been able to hit on some explosives, not as much as we'd like, and um, you know I think we would trade some of those explosives for wins. Uh, we'd probably trade some of those explosives for more passing yardage and all of that as well. But I think we've been able since game one to hit on some explosive plays, so we were able to hit on those, but. You know, I don't think that was really a reflection of just the, the throw game in general, kind of a comprehensive view of, hey, we're executing and we're pushing all the buttons. I think it was more of a, um, you know, hey, we, we beat a guy, but when he still came down to tight coverage and having to execute, you know, that was something that we struggled through all night.
0: A lot of interesting things in there, not the least of which being, this is a Big 12 championship caliber roster which to me says the coaching isn't good enough. And I think in a way Dave was saying that too, to kind of putting the onus on him like he usually does. So I want to hear from y'all. Is that what you think? Do you think this roster is championship caliber? Do you think the Bears can turn it around this season? Leave that in the comments below. Like, subscribe, follow me, follow us on Twitter. That's where you're going to get all the content throughout the week. And then, of course, we'll bring it to you on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for listening today. This has been always will be locked on.